Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 227. The name of our episode today is Facing Hard Times. We'll see this on a very practical level in the book of Daniel as we read chapters 1, 2, and 3, the hard things that Daniel and his friends faced. We'll see it on a very personal, emotional level from Psalm 88, the cry of someone who's facing very difficult times. And then we'll realize what the power or where the power comes from in order to face these hard times. And we'll see that in the prayer of Jesus from John 17. And so let's see how all these passages teach us about how we can be facing hard times. Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon advanced against Jerusalem and laid it under siege. Now the Lord delivered King Jehoiakim of Judah into his power, along with some of the vessels of the temple of God. He brought them to the land of Babylonia, to the temple of his God, and put his ve- the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king commanded Aspenes, who was in charge of the court officials, to choose some of the Israelites who were of royal and noble descent, young men in whom there was no physical defect and who were handsome, well-versed in all kinds of wisdom, well-educated and having keen insight, and who were capable of entering the king's royal service and to teach them the literature and language of the Babylonians. So the king assigned them a daily ration from his royal delicacies and from the wine he drank himself. They were to be trained for the next three years. At the end of that time, they were to enter the king's service. As it turned out, among these young men were some men from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But the overseer of the court officials renamed them. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, Hananiah he named Shadrach, Mishael he named Meshach, and Azariah he named Abednego. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the royal delicacies or the royal wine. He therefore asked the overseer of the court officials for permission not to defile himself. Then God made the overseer of, of the court officials sympathetic to Daniel. But he responded to Daniel saying, I fear my master the king. He is the one who has decided your food and drink. What would happen if he saw you looked malnourished in comparison to the other young men your age? If that happened, you would endanger my life with the king. Daniel then spoke to the warden, whom the overseer of the court officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, saying, Please test your servants for ten days by providing us with some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our, our appearance with that of the young men who are eating the royal delicacies. Deal with us in light of what you see. So the warden agreed to their proposal and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, their appearance was better and their bodies were healthier than all the young men who had been eating the royal delicacies. So the warden removed the delicacies and wine from their diet and gave them a diet of vegetables instead. Now as for those four young men, God endowed them with knowledge and skill and all sorts of literature and wisdom, and Daniel had insight into all kinds of visions and dreams. When the time appointed by the king arrived, the overseer of the court officials brought them into Nebuchadnezzar's presence. When the king spoke with them, he did not find among the entire group anyone like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. 
So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and insight the king asked them about, he found them to be ten times better than any of the magicians and astrologers that were in his entire empire. Now Daniel lived on until the first year of Cyrus the king. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had many dreams. His mind was disturbed and he suffered from insomnia. The king issued an order to summon the magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and wise men in order to explain his dreams to them. So they came and awaited the king's instructions. The king king told them, I have had a dream, and I am anxious to understand the dream. The wise men replied to the king, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will disclose its interpretation. The king replied to the wise men, My decision is firm. If you do not inform me of both the dream and its interpretation, you will be dismembered and your homes reduced to rubble. But if you can disclose the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts of reward and considerable honor. So disclose to me the dream and its interpretation. They again replied, Let the king inform us of the dream, and then we will disclose its interpretation. The king replied, I know for sure that you are attempting to gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you don't inform me of the dream, there, there is only one thing that is going to happen to you. For you have agreed among yourselves to report to me something false and deceitful until such time as things might change. So tell me my dream and, you will, and I will have confidence that you can disclose its interpretation. The wise men replied to the king saying, There is no man on earth who is able to disclose the king's secret for no king, regardless of his position and power, has ever requested such a thing from any magician, astrologer, or wise man. What the king is asking is too difficult, and no one exists who can disclose it to the king, except for the gods, but they don't live among mortals. Because of this, the king got furiously angry and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So a decree went out, and the wise men were about to be executed. They also sought Daniel and his friends so they could be executed. Then Daniel spoke with the prudent counsel with prudent counsel to Arioch, who was in charge of the king's executioners and who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He inquired of Arioch, the king's deputy, saying, Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested the king to grant him time, that he might disclose the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his home and informed his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the matter. He asked them to pray for mercy from the God of heaven, concerning this mystery so that he and his friends would not be destroyed along with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Then, in a night vision, the mystery was revealed to Daniel. So Daniel praised the God of heaven, saying, Let the name of God be praised forever and ever, for his wisdom and power belong to him. He changes times and seasons, deposing some kings and establishing others. He gives wisdom to the wise. He imparts knowledge to those with understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light reside in him. O God of my fathers, I acknowledge and glorify you, for you have bestowed wisdom and power on me. Now you have enabled me to understand what we requested from you, for you have enabled us to understand the king's dilemma. Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Escort me to the king, and I will disclose the interpretation to him. So Arioch quickly ushered Daniel into the king's presence, saying to him, I have found a man from the captives of Judah who can make known the interpretation to the king. The king then asked Daniel, whose name was also Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I saw, as well as its interpretation? Daniel replied to the king, 
The mystery that the king is asking about is such that no wise men, astrologers, magicians, or diviners can possibly disclose it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the times to come. The dream and the visions you had while lying on your bed are as follows. As for you, O king, while you are in your bed, your thoughts turn to future things. The revealer of mysteries has made known to you what will take place. As for me, this mystery was revealed to me, not because I possess more wisdom than any other living person, but so that the king may understand the interpretation and comprehend the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were watching as a great statue, one of impressive size and extraordinary brightness, was standing before you. Its appearance caused alarm. As for that statue, its head was of gold, its chest and arms were of silver, its belly and thighs were of bronze, its legs were of iron, its feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. You are watching as a stone was cut out, but not with human hands. It struck the statue on its iron and clay feet, breaking them in pieces. Then the iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold were broken in pieces without distinction and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors that the wind carries away. Not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a large mountain that filled the entire earth. This was the dream. Now we will set forth before the king its interpretation. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has granted you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. Wherever human beings, wild animals, and birds of the sky live, he has given them into your power. He has given you authority over them all. You are the head of gold. Now after you, another kingdom will rise, one inferior to yours. Then a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule in all of the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, one strong like iron. Just like iron breaks into pieces and shatters everything, and as iron breaks its pieces on all these metals, so it will break in pieces and crush the others. In that you were seeing feet and toes partly of wet clay and partly of iron, so that this will be a divided kingdom. Some of the strength of iron will be left in it, for you saw iron mixed with wet clay. And the in that the toes of feet were partly iron and partly clay, the latter stages of this kingdom will be partly strong and partly fragile. And in that you saw iron mixed with wet clay, so people will be mixed with one another without adhering to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will raise up an everlasting kingdom that will not be destroyed and a kingdom that will be left to another people. It will break in pieces and bring about the demise of of these kingdoms, but it will stand forever. You saw that a stone was cut from a mountain, not by human hands. It smashed the iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold into pieces. The great God has made known to the king what will occur in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is reliable. Then King Nebuchadnezzar bowed down with his face to the ground and paid homage to Daniel. He gave orders to offer sacrifices and incense to him. The king replied to Daniel, saying, Certainly your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king elevated Daniel to a high position and bestowed on him many marvelous gifts. He granted him authority over the entire province of Babylon and made him the main prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel's at Daniel's request, The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon. Daniel himself served in the king's court. King Nebuchadnezzar had a golden statue made. It was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. He erected it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent out a summons to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other authorities of the province to attend the dedication of the statue that he had erected. So the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial authorities assembled for the dedication of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had erected. They were standing in front of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Then the herald made a loud proclamation saying, To you, O peoples, nations, and language groups, the following command is given. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must bow down and pay homage to the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has erected. Whoever does not bow down and pay homage will immediately be thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when they all heard the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, and all the people's all the peoples of the nations and language groups began bowing down and paying homage to the golden statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Now at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought malicious accusations against the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued an edict, O king, that everyone must bow down and pay homage to the golden statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. And whoever does not bow down and pay homage must be thrown into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. But there are Jewish men whom you appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men have not shown proper respect to you, O king. They don't serve your gods, and they don't pay homage to the golden statue that you have erected. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a fit of rage, demanded that they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before him. So they brought them before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods and that you don't pay homage to the golden statue that I have erected? Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, trigon, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must bow down and pay homage to the statue that I made. If you don't pay homage to it, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of the, fiery, the furnace of blazing fire. Now, who is that God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, saying, We do not need to give you a reply concerning this. If our God whom we are serving exists, he is able to rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will rescue us, O king, from your power as well. But if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we don't serve your gods, and we will not pay homage to the golden statue that you have erected. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and his disposition changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times hotter than it normally was heated. He ordered strong soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So those men were tied up while still wearing their cloaks, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, and were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. But since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was so excessively hot, the men who escorted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were killed by the leaping flames. But those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the furnace of blazing fire while still securely bound. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was startled and quickly got up. He said to his ministers, Wasn't it three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied to the king, For sure, O king. He answered, But I see four men, you untied and walking around in the midst of the fire. No harm has come to them, and the appearance of the fourth is like that of a god. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He called out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego emerged from the fire. Once the satraps, prefects, and governors, and ministers of the king had gathered around them, they saw that the men were physically unharmed by the fire. The hair of their heads was not singed, nor were their trousers damaged. Not even the smell of fire was to be found on them. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent forth his angel and has rescued his servants who trusted in him, ignoring the edict of the king and giving up their bodies rather than serve or pay homage to any god other than their god. I hereby decree that any people, nation, or language group that blasphemes the god of Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego will be dismembered and his home reduced to rubble, for there exists no other god who can deliver in this way. Then Nebuchadnezzar promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And so we have this incredible story of how God rescues these three friends, these three men who trusted in him, who had faced extremely hard times. And now we turn to Psalm 88, which is a personal cry out to God in the midst of very difficult, hard times written by Haman the Ezraite, which is really a psalm that shows us that we can cry out to God in the midst of our sorrow and pain as we face hard times. Psalm 88, a psalm a song written by the Korahites for the music director according to the Makahalath Leonoth style, a well-written song by Haman the Ezraite. O Lord God who delivers me, by day I cry out, and at night I pray before you. Listen to my prayer. Pay attention to my cry for help, for my life is filled with troubles and I am ready to enter Sheol. They treat me like those who descend into the grave. I am like a helpless man, adrift among the dead, like corpses lying in the grave whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your power. You place me in the lowest regions of the pit, in the dark places in the watery depths. Your anger bears down on me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You cause those who know me to keep their distance. You make me an appalling sight to them. I am trapped and cannot get free. My eyes grow weak because of oppression. I call out to you, O Lord, all day long. I spread out my hands in prayer to you. Do you accomplish amazing things for the dead? Do the departed spirits rise up and give you thanks? Is your loyal love proclaimed in the grave or your faithfulness in the place of the dead? Are your amazing deeds experienced in the dark region or your deliverance in the land of of oblivion? As for me, I cry out to you, O Lord. In the morning, my prayer confronts you. O Lord, why do you reject me and pay no attention to me? I am oppressed and have been on the verge of death since my youth. I have been subjected to your horrors and am numbed with pain. Your anger overwhelms me. Your terrors destroy me. They surround me like water all day long. They join forces and encircle me. You cause my friends and neighbors to keep their distance. Those who know me leave me alone in the darkness. What a dark and difficult uh, situation that person faced. And yet, as dark and difficult as that psalm is, it began realizing and recognizing that God is a God who can handle us coming to him with that kind of pain and sorrow because he's a God who's personal, a God who's loving, and a God who's gracious. And we see this in the words of Jesus in the longest recorded prayer we have of Jesus from John 17, as Jesus faced his own suffering and hard times only a little while after reading or after speaking this prayer. John 17. 
When Jesus had finished saying these things, he looked upward to heaven and said, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so that your Son may glorify you, just as you have given him authority over all humanity so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me at your side with your glory, the glory I had with you before the world was created. I have revealed your name to the men you gave me out of the world. They belong to you and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they understand that everything you have given me comes from you, because I have given them the words you have given me. They accepted them and really understand that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I am praying on behalf of them. I am not praying on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those you have given me, because they belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you, and everything you have belongs to me, and I have been glorified by them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them safe in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in your name that you have given me. Not one of them was lost except the one destined for destruction so that the scripture could be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I am saying these things in the world so they may experience my joy completed in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And I set myself apart on their behalf, so that they too may be truly set apart. I am not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony, that they will be one, just as you, Father, and me are in me, and I am in you. I pray that they will be with us so that the world will believe that you sent me. The glory you gave me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so the world will know that you sent me and you love them just as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Even if the world does not know you, I know you, and these men know that you sent me. I made known your name to them, and I will continue to make it known, so that the love that you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. And that's the beautiful truth here. Jesus is saying, ultimately, that the reason you can face hard times is because when you belong to Jesus by faith, you are one with him, one with the Father, And that means you are surrounded not only with his protection and his care, but you are truly and completely loved. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-